Welcome to Harlow on Healthcare. I'm David Harlow, and I invite you to join me by my virtual heart as I sit down with healthcare leaders to discuss building the future of healthcare. Today, my guest is Cindy Gaines, Chief Clinical Transformation Officer at Lumion. Cindy has over 30 years of healthcare experience between quality and operations across the continuum. Lumion operates what they call a care orchestration platform. And I will ask Cindy to provide a greater explanation of what that might mean and a little bit more of an introduction and description of her background. Cindy, welcome and thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me, David. It's a pleasure to be here. Again, I'd appreciate if you could take us through your extensive career and interesting background. And then a little bit more about Lumion at the very, very basic level. When we say care orchestration platform, what does that mean? Absolutely. Let's start with I'm a nurse. And I've been a nurse for, it's hard to say it, but I've been a nurse for 36 years. I It's hard to believe I've been that long, but it's been an incredible, incredible career. I've spent the majority of my career in the health system side of the world. So my first 32 years in as a nurse, once I left the bedside and left the clinical hands-on care, I was in nursing leadership. I've been working in quality leadership. In my last roles, I was vice president for population health. And then went on to be the president of our medical group where I was. So I've really done a little bit in my career on all sides of the continuum, from, I guess, in nursing to quality to physician leadership and hospital administration. I joined the Lumion team a few years back, and as the Chief Clinical Transformation Officer, really bringing that experience with me into the Lumion world and really working with, with our customers and translating what we do in Lumion. And so when we think about Lumion and care orchestration, you know, it's, we really truly believe that care better coordinated is care better delivered. And care coordination is hard to do. It, it truly is broken. We tend to think of it as it's very manual. It's hard to scale. We have this tendency to throw bodies at everything in healthcare and fix that. Put a nurse on that. I can't tell you times over the years is we'll assign that task to somebody to get it done. And honestly, we're at a point in healthcare where we just don't have those bodies. So what we do at Lumion is we leverage data and automation to really support the delivery of the right care to the right patient every time. So we are a cure orchestration platform. And what that means is when you think about automation, automation is really about people think of it and they're like, I'm eliminating a task. But when we think about care orchestration, it's really about automating multiple tasks and processes and workflows together to really, within the context of a patient journey, to not only support the patient to get the right care at the right time, but to make that care easier for the teams to do, which is honestly what brought me to Lumia when I said, oh, it's a I've implemented a lot of softwares over the years and they were necessary. We needed to do EMRs. We needed to do closed loop medication administration. They made care safer. It didn't necessarily make it easier to do care. And what really brought me to Lumion was that what we're doing is about unburdening the team, freeing up their time with unnecessary tasks that can be done through automation, freeing them up to spend more time with the patient. And to, to do in healthcare what we all went in to do, which is to provide that care. That's why we're here. And I said, that's what you're doing. You're making it easier for us 
to provide care, I am completely in, and I'm really proud to be here today as the transformation officer for OER. That's great. So let's dig a little bit deeper and try to tease out a couple of specifics, right? Everything that you're saying makes sense, and I'm sure makes sense to people listening. And the real question is, what does that actually mean in the real world? So let's take a particular use case or a particular context and dig a little deeper, if you would. Sure. So let's use the example of getting ready for a surgery. I had this experience recently, so I can think about what that's like. A patient gets scanned for surgery and there's typically going to then be an intake. You're going to get a call from the nurse who's going to be asking you a lot of questions to validate some things about your history. That intake can be done over the phone. It's done in person. It's done different ways in different organizations. We worked with one organization who we did this with, and they were doing it in person. And then from there, then you're getting with that provider to what do we need to order? What's their risk stratification? Are they low risk? Are they medium risk? And then they're moving on to ordering the lab. Now we're tracking the lab. And then to get you ready for surgery, then there's communications at the end about where to park, when to stop eating and drinking. How do you do a hemoglobin scrub? There's a lot that just to get you ready for a day of surgery. It's a very manual task in most organizations. So when I talk about care orchestration and we talk about, it's not about one of those tasks, it's about working with an organization to say, we're in a workflow, could we make this easier? So let's take that same workflow and think about it from our perspective. The patient gets scheduled for surgery instead of there being a phone call or an in-person visit, I can send the question to the patient to fill out themselves. And they can fill out the time, the leisure time that works for them. As opposed to giving a call in the middle of your day, you're getting a text or an email. We, we, we have some questions for you to fill out. That information comes back to the clinical team who they don't have to transcribe it into the record. It's not a, they don't have to scan it into the record. It's, it automatically is written into the record where they're just reviewing it and they can edit it if they need to. But the risk stratification tools that they're using, instead of scoring it by the end, we can take the information from the EMR and from the patient and score it for them. So suddenly I'm providing the team the information they need. I'm teeing up for them the scores that they need in order to make decisions that are moving the patient along the way. And instead of sending the patient letters of back parking and when to stop eating and drinking or calling them, we can communicate with the patient on their behalf with texting or with email. But it's really saying, where in that process can we lighten that low? And that's what I mean about orchestration. Does that make sense? It does. And I'll just start at random from a patient perspective. I certainly would appreciate not receiving yet another 25th generation Xerox copy of something from, from a hospital in Arkansas. And I've seen this happen recently in a, in a discreet setting for a family member going through PT. And instead of receiving that 25th generation Xerox yeah. copy of here's a, a description of the exercises to do at home. Here's a, a PDF in a usable form that I can see on my phone, et cetera. And there, there are ways of making this easier and more useful. Here I'm talking about from the patient perspective, but certainly as you described from the clinical team perspective as well, can certainly make things flow more easily. And I think as you described, not having to log out, log in to a million different systems. So 
I imagine there's a heavy lift at the beginning here to integrate with a variety of EHR platforms. Is that something that needs to be done at the platform level, at the healthcare institution level, at the install level? Yeah, we think of ourselves as an agility layer that layers onto the EMR, and it has bi-directional communication. So we're able to really extract information and then input that information back in. There is connectivity that needs to be done with an EMR in order to do this. We call those integrations, so we will do integrations. And depending on the scenario or the use case that's needed, we'll drive which integrations are needed. It's, it's a lift. I wouldn't consider it burdensome lift. It's just part of a project plan to make those. They're basically their APIs and fire calls. They're pretty standard. What we need to do is just more, it's making sure you align the team so that the teams are working, the IT team on the health system side and our team are working together on that because it's an interaction that takes to make that all happen. And then is what you're providing designed by the care team or are they choosing from a menu of integrations or workflows, so to speak? How much of this is an environment that's been designed by Lumion and how much of it is an environment that's going to be designed by each of your sites? I love this question. Thank you for asking it, David. What I really appreciate about what we do here at Lumion is that it's about honoring the workflows that the organization has. We don't come in defining the clinical practice. Organizations have, they've done an excellent job of identifying and building best practices where organizations struggles on the execution of best practices. And so an example of what I mean by that is we all know the best practices. A heart failure patient should be seen within seven days of discharge where we struggle on the execution of that. And I would say that many patients do not have that visit within seven days of discharge, an execution problem. And that's where we believe automation comes in. So when we come in, we're not coming in saying you have to do the clinical workflow in this process. Because if you do, you spend more time arguing with the providers about what is best practice. And what we go is, what's your best practice? We then look at that best practice and we look for opportunities to automate. Lomian is, we are the experts at workflow automation. So what we do is bring that expertise and then the expertise of the clinician and we marry them together. So we're not looking to replace your workflows with a better workflow. We're looking for ways to make your workflows work better for you. And so we, we really honor those best practices that organizations have. And we make sure that is what we are hardwiring in to the process. Now, if someone says, I'm not sure what I want to do here, we will share best practices from other organizations. But we really tell on those organizations that you've done a lot of work to get agreement with your provider. So let's start there as the foundation. If you're just tuning in, this is Harlow on Healthcare coming to you on Healthcare Now Radio. I'm David Harlow and my guest today is Cindy Gaines, Chief Clinical Transformation Officer at Lumion. Cindy, you've talked about persistent staffing shortages and the other challenges that may be faced by provider organizations. I'm wondering if you could speak to, while we're quote unquote, coming out of the pandemic or the acute phase of the pandemic. There's certainly lessons to be learned from the last three years and how that was different from what we call the before times. And how do care organizations plan for what I think of as the next normal? 
because we're going to be changing. Things will be changing probably every three to six months on a going forward basis from my perspective. And how does the work that you do integrate with the dynamic nature of the world that your customers are dealing with? Yeah. You know, it's interesting. Prior to the pandemic, it was now I'll use remote monitoring as a good example of technology. There's a lot of fear about technology and how do you integrate technology into our local world. And there was a lot of resistance of something as simple as remote monitoring prior to the pandemic. If you looked at the statistics, it was like, I know less than 10% of organizations were actually using it. And a lot of it was my patients won't be able to do it. They're not going to like it. Virtual care, we don't want to do virtual care. My patients are too old. And then the pandemic hit. And you know what happened with remote monitoring virtual care? Like, we got thrown in the deep end clinically. <laughs> it was yeah. the last two choices. We had to do it or we wouldn't be able to provide care. And we went from people having organizations like less than 10% doing virtual care and remote monitoring to more than 70% doing it because it was just became the normal how you could do care. And what we found with virtual remote care is that our patients could do it. And we could, the world did go on in that way. And a lot of the things that held us back of my patients can't do it or they're too old or this won't work, that became our stumbling blocks to jumping into the water. We got thrown in, we got thrown off the deck and we swam. And in fact, as we're coming out of the pandemic, there are patients going, we're really good with virtual care. We're good with not always having to drive to the office and doing this. And they don't want to go away. And so I think our resilience through the pandemic and the lessons learned are what we can build on now. In coming to the pandemic, our true challenge is staffing. And the reason that's a true challenge is we were already struggling with staffing prior to the pandemic. We know that nurses, physicians are aging out faster than they're coming in. And then we had the pandemic hit and many people said, I'm just going to step out now. It's too stressful. I'm done. So we are shorter staff today than we've ever been. And we don't see that improving a lot in the future. So now we need to think about how to do care differently. And I think we take that with our ability to do what we learned about virtual care in the pandemic is this is an opportune time to say, we need to think about how to do things differently than we ever had before. In the past, what we did is, as I said before, we threw bodies at it. We don't have the bodies to throw at it. So now I think it's about, it's an opportunity type for Lumion, who does care pathway orchestration automation, is a time to say, how can we use automation to support your teams who are short-staffed? Automation can feel all scary to people. I worked at the Kellogg cereal factory in college to pay my way through. And automation was, it was a way of, you automated lines and it was a way of eliminating jobs. So people are scared of it. We're not talking about that. We're talking about, we have thrown so many unnecessary tasks on our care teams with, oh, you need to fax this, you need to communicate, you need to call this. It, it, there are tasks that can be done in other ways, but it was just easier to throw in on one person. What we're saying is, let's remove some of those tasks. Let's free up the tiring so that you don't feel the stress. We have the same amount of patients that we've ever had. We have less people to do it. So it's actually putting the care back into what we do by taking some of that administrative burden off the team. So to me, it's an opportune time, it's an exciting time, but it is truly thinking about the work we do differently. 
Yes. So you said something very interesting there, which is thinking about how to, if I can rephrase, re-engineering care, right? So it's not just about how do we orchestrate the care that's being delivered. It's really about engineering the processes and not, as you said earlier, not tying people to pathways or ideas that you bring to the table, but helping provider organizations re-engineer what they're doing. Are there any particular areas of work within a large healthcare organization that you see more prone to be re-engineered as folks come onto your platform? Boy, that's a loaded question, David. As I share that being in with my past, I worked in all aspects of healthcare. And I see application for automation and better orchestration everywhere. I see it in the physician offices. I see it in the inpatient. I see it in the procedural areas. I gave the example earlier of the preoperative workflow. In that process, we eliminated just in that initial intake part of it. We eliminated 30 minutes. That's 30 minutes for patients per patient when they fill out the form themselves. I want to give you a perspective of what that means. You times that by 12,000 surgeries a year, and suddenly you're talking about freeing up and a half hour per patient, we're freeing up 5,300 hours of gear. Now, 89% of the patients fill out the form themselves. It doesn't work for everybody, but when you free up 5,300 hours of care in one department, that's two and a half FTEs. That it's not about eliminating those FTEs, it was freeing them up. And so what you end up, if you think about a best practice, we, we, we try to put all patients through it in the same way. So you create it and then we go, now everybody does this. Patients come with their own baggage. Some need more time, others don't need as much time. But when I said, okay, you have 30 minutes for this appointment, the patient is more complex and needs more time. If I give that to you, I've now put all the other patients behind, which is not a happy thing for patients. That's not a satisfier. And yet if I cut you off, that's not a satisfier that that patient needed more time. In this case, 89% of the patients didn't need that 30-minute appointment. And I freed up all this time. So that patient who needs more time, who's more complex, who needs higher touch, they can have all the time they need. And for that patient, I got this. Just let me go through your process digitally and virtually. They're happy too. So what it actually creates is the ability for patients to move through the process in the way they need to. And the team has enough time to do it. And so in some ways, it's re-engineering from the perspective of it becomes unique to the patient and what their needs are. And I can apply it at any grant or organization. I can do that in a radiology area. I can do that in a nursing unit. I can do that in a physician office. And I, to me, that it's just about how do you want to think about it differently? And so I, I get really excited about that. I can tell. So we're talking about processes way beyond the EHR itself. But I want to turn back to the EHR and ask you, if you were designing an EHR from scratch, are there elements other than the pieces that you've talked about that are facilitated or improved by your care coordination layer, your care orchestration layer that you would change from the get-go? If you had a blank sheet of paper designing an EHR. 
That's a loaded question. <laughs> How is that when we implemented the EMRs? And there are people who still miss their pieces of paper. I think the mistake we made when we implemented EHRs is that we literally took our papers and then built them onto the computer. And we didn't think about, and so we were promised that we would have these EMRs that were going to make our lives more efficient. And we did actually have efficiencies in it. It just... Because we just took our paper practices and built them into the EMR. And, in, Boston, know, in Boston, we call that paving the cow paths. Yes. I think in retrospect, if I were to do that again, what I would think about is really instead of just focusing on the papers and what do we want to have in the EMR, I would focus more on the workflows and what could be different and what should be different. Our EMRs ended up being built to capture documentation so we could build. If they were built to capture documentation so we could meet the regulatory requirements, but we didn't really build them to manage our workflows. And I think that was a missed opportunity. And I think it's improved, but we can't go back and change that foundation of which we started from. And I also don't think it's even realistic to think that the EMR can meet all needs. And it's the needs will be ongoing changing and it could have met all the needs at the moment, but the needs will change and the EMRs will never change and be able to meet everything we need. If you look at where organizations are, it's they've had so much investment in those EMRs, they can't change their EMRs. So they're looking for solutions that can extend the capacities or meet the gaps that they have. And so that's where I do love what we do is if I think of that EMR as the system of record, I think of Lumium as a system of action. And what we're doing is extending the capabilities of the ER, or the EMR. We're extending the capabilities with automation, with tasking, with engagement. We're extending those capabilities. So it's never meant to conflict with the EMR. It's not meant to replace it. But how can we extend your capacities and your capabilities and make the systems work better for you? And, and I think the flexibility of, and it's not a only one use case, it can, or one set setting, it can be used and you can use it in a physician office, you can use it in the inpatient, you can use it in pre-op surgery, you can use it anywhere, is the flexibility that it, and it can be used for whatever workflow you want to automate. That gives it some power to be able to really extend the capacity and the capability EMR. Yeah, I think it was the missed opportunity was the workflow part of it. Okay, we're catching up then. Yeah. Cindy, to, to wrap things up, I want to ask you one last question, which is, if you're to wake up tomorrow and find yourself five years in the future, what's one thing in healthcare that you would hope or maybe expect to find has changed drastically? What would I want to be different? I think what I'd like to see different is that it's just easier for me to maneuvering an organization to maneuvering my healthcare. With so much of healthcare, it's very challenging going through, I guess I'll go back to orchestrating care. It's very difficult. It's left to the patient to try to maneuver the health system. And I would love a world where the systems work to really help guide the patient, if anything, almost like a concierge to the system. And I believe that's where orchestration automation can help. And it's a world where it's not left to the patient to figure it out, but we actually guide and orchestrate the patient through that process. That would be an amazing world. It would indeed. 
Thank you. And thank you, Cindy, for joining me today. Thank you for having me, David. You have been listening to Harlow on Healthcare. Join us at healthcarenowradio.com. Let's continue the conversation on building the future of healthcare together at hashtag Harlow on HC. I'm David Harlow, keeping the fire going and holding the seat open for you until next time. Thank you.